This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share some quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting with our early episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together as we discover the exciting potential of crypto. In this week's episode, Craig and I are joined by Mark Monfort, who's co-founder of the OzDefi Association and Not Centralised. Mark is a staple in the crypto scene here in Australia with in-depth knowledge across a wide range of industry topics and an all-round nice guy who always has a smile on his face. So for me personally, if we're going to an event, this is the guy that I always hope to run into. So we're really pleased to have you here. Welcome, Mark. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Jeez, what a! I, I need a hype girl. I think you, you know you you won the job. That was an amazing intro. Need to uh, glad this is recorded. Mark is also proclaimed the busiest man in crypto in Australia. He's everywhere. Not, not even self-proclaimed there. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. 24 hours ain't enough. It is true, though. Every time I jump on LinkedIn, there's something where you're going somewhere or you're doing something. So thank you so much for joining us. Okay, let's get into it, folks. So the biggest story over the last seven days has undoubtedly been the next body shot to the crypto market. And I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen, Silvergate. Silvergate is one of the most well-known crypto-friendly banks, and it's seemingly capitulating under a mix of regulatory and market pressures this past week and undergoing what looks like a bank run of sorts. So what's kicked things off was a two-week delay in its annual 10K SEC filing last Thursday, and they cited a need for more time in assessing its finances. So, Silvergate stocks immediately tanked on this news, dropping 55% to around $6.50 per share. And JP Morgan analysts downgraded the Silvergate's already down stocks from neutral to an underweight rating, Craig. Yeah, so Silvergate are huge. They're, this is a big deal because they're pretty much 
um, quote unquote, a crypto friendly bank that some of the biggest exchanges and market makers use that makes it easier for them to move funds in and out of the crypto ecosystem. But here's just a bit of an overview of what's happened since. So since then, Coinbase tweeted that it can no longer facilitate payments using La Jolla, which is a California bank. Crypto.com said that it would reject funds transferred to and from its platform via Silvergate. Bitstamp said it would temporarily pause its support for bank transfers via Silvergate. Gemini said it has stopped accepting customer withdrawals or fulfilling wire transfers from Silvergate. Circle, who are the biggest, one of the biggest crypto companies with USDC, said that they were backing away from Silvergate. And Paxos, which has been a bit red hot in the news recently, mm. said that they were discontinued transfers to its account with Silvergate. So, you know, the crypto group chats were firing on this one as a bit of a panic. Mark, what's your take? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And just because I've got um, cousins in LA that will probably listen in, uh, it's La Jolla. So, oh, yeah, La Jolla. Just La Jolla. We, we didn't get too much of the Mexican and Spanish stuff here. So, you know, it's very, uh, very, very frequent over there. La Jolla, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great area and um, that they were definitely affected. I think uh, we saw in January that um, sort of get, we're cutting headcount about 40%. So, mm. the writing was kind of on the wall. Kind of goes to show how major infrastructure can really affect the rest of the market. Um, and what's interesting is that, you know, we saw physical or physical, like we, we saw the real effects of uh, a lot of these because they're all intertwined. They're all banking with the same groups and stuff. It, you know, it's not just that crypto is very correlated amongst each other. There's reasons for that, just like the traditional markets in that, you know, um, a lot of people were banking with them. But we saw uh, moves towards another bank called Signature. Um, but unfortunately, their signatures also kind of pulling back as well. So, you know, these saviors of last or lenders of last resort, even if you do move to them, they're trying to cut their exposure by about 50%. So what's actually the regulatory pressure? Like what's actually the reason behind this? Uh, is it that the US is trying to close off and choke crypto? Chokehold. Chokehold point two, isn't it? Yeah, choke point two point oh, not just the movie. Um, we missed the first one. So uh, it feels like it's a little bit of that. And I guess the worry here in Australia is if the regulators do go down that path and try to follow what the US is doing just because it's so big, it's so in the news that it's just easy to point to someone else doing something and we just follow suit. But I don't think that's what's going to happen here, um, especially with, you know, what the government is doing around token mapping and some other kind of consultations. But it is a worry for many other places. Some people see it as a positive, though, that this is, hey, if they're not going to do it in the US, come to Europe, come to Asia. Mm. So it's going to be very, we're, we're in a very, you know, interesting precipice kind of moment right now. And I think when we when we look at the effects that it's having on the market right now, um, the market's been pretty stagnant for the last couple of weeks since you know the news with Paxos and that USB um, BUSD. That's it. So the market has been pretty stagnant since then, and then this on top of that is just more sideways action. Uh, and if we look at those um, names that you've just mentioned, so you know Gemini, Circle, Paxos, Coinbase, where will these people bank now? I mean, there's obviously a lot of other banks in the US, uh, but Silvergate, you know, being the most crypto friendly. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting where they go. Uh, it, you know, I think there's going to be a solution that is found. Uh, it may well be that some have to just shut up shop because they can't uh, do it anymore there in the US and it'll move and, 
you know, that's enough of a, a push to stifle um, all the momentum that they had before. And it just, like I said, provides opportunities for others. Uh, but we we kind of wait with bated breath uh, over here in Australia because we've got a lot of these uh, foreign entities here in Australia as well with exchanges and a lot of local ones too. So given um, the importance of a central figure like that, I mean, we were seeing this stuff with the banks over in, in Europe as well. Like in the UK, banks um, no longer banking those with crypto or limiting how much you can take out or, you know, what all over the world, like it's it's this tradfi kind of pressure um, that is coming into the market. Yet, interestingly, the reasons why crypto has fallen, if we go back to it, FTX and Three Arrows Capital, all those guys didn't fall because of crypto. Crypto did not fail. DeFi did not fail. In fact, I would say DeFi is even regulated because it's run by smart contracts. You know, what failed was people, processes and procedures. And those things happen in tradfi as well. And yet we're seeing the pressure from the existing. Um, so it's up to blockchain to really kind of fight back and show that it's not just uh, the degening and, you know, shilling of tokens and stuff, but there's actually real proper technology that can transform how we do things. I think that's the way we've got to fight back, but we'll see what happens there in the US. And that sounds like a perfect way to end that segment, if I don't say so myself. So let's leave it there and move on to our next story. And this is a feel-good story now that we uh, can talk about the power of crypto for good and not evil. Since devastating earthquakes hit part of Turkey and Syria in February, blockchain analytics from Chainalysis estimate that around 5.9 million of crypto donations have been made to support relief efforts in the region. The Turkish Ministry of Interior's Earthquake Humanitarian Aid Campaign, the Turkish Red Crescent, Save the Children's and Project Hope have been receiving crypto-based donations. Binance, Bitfinex, OKX, Qcoin have all donated more than 9 million to support victims in the area, which is a huge effort. Yeah, the big boys have put their hands in their pockets, Trace, and we did see this with the Ukraine stuff 12 months ago, actually, Um, and not to mention the Avalanche founder who is also from Turkey. He donated a million dollars in AVAX tokens. So crypto being used for good, Mark. Absolutely. We're keen to see it. And uh, even here locally, for example, there's a group uh, at Queensland called Blockstars Technology. Shout out to Cozzy and the folks there. They did a hackathon and I think the winner was a charity group, uh, a group that's trying to use crypto for charity tokens and stuff like that. And I think Chris Mansky is the, the founder there. So we're seeing a lot more of this because it's just so much easier to trace you know, play mm. on your name there, but like it is so much easier to be transparent with these things more so than you have in traditional kind of um, when you do donate. And it's just so much easier to bypass middlemen and get things straight to the people that need it. So, And I think one of the big things was like with charities, like how much of the charity money actually goes to the cause and like some of the charities that came out, it's like not much. And this is a way of tracing where they actually spend their tokens and what's being spent on. So great use case. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so good because you're, you're seeing exactly where that money goes to. So so cool. Yeah, absolutely. So who was that specifically that you mentioned then, Mark, for this relief or was that something else here in Australia? No, it was just something else. Um, they were doing like a Shark Tank uh, type of event where they were giving away a lot of money. I think it was like $500,000 on offer for these different startups who ever kind of won. And I think I think the charity token one got 250 um, and then Blockstars takes a certain amount of equity in that and a very public event, uh, really a lot a lot of fanfare and I you know, hope to see them um, kind of running more of those. But uh, yeah, the one that won, because there, there were other prizes there, but the one that won the overall prize was related to charity. So I think that's very related to the, mm. you know this kind of stuff. 
Definitely. And I was thinking about that too. I saw a girlfriend of mine who lives in Hawke's Bay in New Zealand were talking about the relief over there and not specifically getting funds to the right place, but getting funds quickly. Because I think that's another problem that people have is is the red tape and the time it takes to actually get the funds to the victims. So you would hope that maybe this can facilitate that a bit quicker. Yeah, absolutely. And on to our next story back here at home. The RBA has revealed its set of digital dollar pilot projects, which it hopes to complete by mid-2023. The projects will look at use cases ranging from offline payments to bond settlements to securities trading. It will involve industry participants ranging from smaller fintechs to large financial institutions. Projects will be aimed at using the EAUD and USDC stablecoins for cases like offline transactions and streamlining foreign exchange trades and remittances. Exciting stuff, Craig. Yeah, so as Mark mentioned before, these initiatives come amid a regulatory crackdown in America with BUSD, Paxos, Silvergate, etc., all the above. Um, So it's great to see Australia getting on the front foot. And this is why we actually brought Mark on the show. So Mark's organization called Not Centralized has been included in the pilot program. So how did this come about, Mark? And what does you being included actually mean? It's always so hard. How far back do I go, you know, for, for a question like this? Uh, I was born in the Philippines. No, okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting, right? Like the interest comes from, you know, we didn't even know that there, were, there was this, uh, we'd heard about the first pilot that the, the RBA had done, which was kind of a closed pilot uh, a year ago, mm. right? So now that we're, it's a year later. And that um, one there was with chosen partners. It wasn't really open to the public at all. And Were those chosen partners, those bigger organisations who were still part of it, like the Commonwealth Bank and that? Is that... It it was, I remember the law firm, it was uh, King and Wood Mallison's was a very, um, you know, big part of that as well as uh, consultants and there might have been a bank or two there. But that was a closed-ended one to to do some initial testing. And what they've said now is that we want to open up the testing to the public. So, bring on board your use cases. Here is what we are offering. Um, Write up some use cases and then they'll pick the best ones. We put in two, many others put in multiple. There were 150 altogether. And what ended up happening was that they chose 14 use cases. Uh, I think it's 11 companies that were across those 14 use cases. And um, the selections were announced on Thursday. Then there was a little uh, get together at the Mint um, in Sydney. So with all of the different use cases across those ones that you had mentioned. And one of yours was there. in the 14? And one of ours was in the 14. So we were very lucky to, to get through there. But um, the process of going through it, it was not arduous, but it was a very uh, kind of intense process because there's a lot of, uh, uh, not hoops to jump through, but just a lot of questions on how you're going to use, how does CBDC fall uh, as part of your use case. For us, we're looking at it as a proof of reserve to back an actual stable coin, and we're using it in a construction use case where we're using the blockchain to create digital escrows because escrows are so much easier on the blockchain than they are in the traditional world and making payments more transparent because, as we know, there's a lot of uh, building company collapses, whether in Western Australia or here across you know, the eastern states as well. And a lot of it is driven by just not knowing what the other side actually has in terms of whether they can pay your bills as a subcontractor, et cetera. So- Interesting. So the use case you put forward was around construction and building companies and- Yeah. Really? Real world stuff. And wow. so wow. we want to see 
blockchain being used to impact the real world. Um, like we love Web3. We're all about the vibes and, you know, we do the Oz DeFi Association meetups and all that, but it we can't just sit in our bubble and continue to, you know, we can't grow there. We have to get into the real world because blockchain has a lot of really cool components. We built this with a bunch of other groups. So there's Hedera, which is a great blockchain um, out there. And well, they're, they're on a hash graph. So it's a little bit mm. different to a blockchain, mm. but they're very, you know, they've got some interesting uh, use cases, do a lot of stuff in sustainability and they're global. And then there's Canvas, which is kind of like the immutable, but for finance. And so they're very interesting. And then we've got a partner in the actual construction space who were looking for a blockchain partner themselves. So these guys are construction guys, they're tradies, right? And they wanted to have this system that was built on blockchain. And they met us at the Aussie crypto convention. So shout out to Digital Mutual that's there. And then we also had some lawyers look over the stuff that we're doing because this is a um, the, the RBA and all these groups. So there's the Digital Finance Cooperative Research Center, DFCRC, yes. partnering yep. with the RBA. Those groups are testing this to see whether or not, you know, will the legals work? Is this Will this be regulatory sound as well as testing the tech? That's what people forget is that this is a test. This is yeah. a pilot program. This may not go ahead. Exactly. The whole point of this pilot program is to see whether these CBDCs are something that as a nation we will implement. That's the whole point of this. So yep. that's really interesting. So I didn't realise that the construction side of things was what – um, non-centralized or what he had put forward as this is this is really interesting. So tell me then how long does that pilot program go for? How long you know does it take to see results or whether or not this will go ahead? The interesting thing is that um, we've already got use cases in mind and we've got clients at the ready. And that's thanks to our partner, Digital Mutual, who are the ones that are on the ground with the construction use cases there. So it'll be uh, an aged care facility up in Queensland. And all of this is open. This is building in the open. So uh, a lot of people are, you know, rightfully so, I guess, because from what they've seen only on mainstream media, there's all this fear mongering around what a CBDC could be. A lot of these use cases are wholesale. They're not retail. There will be some retail ones but obviously this is all testing right like what just because we're doing something and testing you'd rather them test than just roll something out and go here you have to use this i would rather be in australia where they are doing this kind of engagement um and the use cases should be all done by mid-year they'll do an evaluation and we'll see what happens from there. For us, we'll continue to do our thing with a stablecoin um, because we think it's really important. So the way that we're using the CBDC is as a proof of reserve. And proof of reserves was something that were really interesting and spoken about in the wake of the FTX yeah. saga. So being able to prove that a stablecoin is able to be used as a proof of reserve because you're effectively putting your trust in the reserve bank, our central bank in Australia. So um, that's our use case. And, you know, that might expand, it might uh, adapt to what is going on, but it's a test really to, at the end of the day. Love it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And look, you know, like you said, CBDCs, We've been hearing about this for the last two years now. We know that um, England, for example, they did their test case and it's not gone anywhere yet. You know, Japan, there's been a lot of these, South Africa, all over the world, and no one, there's been a, a few small um, countries who have implemented theirs, but no one big, no big nation really yet who has gone whole hog on this yet um, because it is a big step. So that's really interesting. Maybe we'll get you back later in the year to to let us know how it goes. Yeah, it's an amazing, like, just to hear a real-life example of, like, how it's actually working. Like, they're putting out 
the everyone puts in their ideas, they choose the yeah. best. I think and that's awesome. And, and we're really proud to be part of um, this group with really great names as ANZ, MasterCard is there, CBA. ANZ, I think, has a few use cases. There's even a livestock um, kind of group that is doing some stuff uh, with, with blockchain. So there's really interesting use cases. But like I said, this is all open source uh, in terms of they're, they're building in the open. Like you can see it on... The RBA announcement links to the DFCRC website where you can see the 14 use cases, click on them and read about them, and they'll use that page to provide updates to the public because there's many in academia and corporate and industry that want to learn about this and even other governments overseas. So this is being watched very carefully. Um, If I was already used to all these eyes on us, there's even more now. So uh, this is just a good thing. It's Australia's time to shine. And Mark's time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's inferred, right? So, (laughs) Well, look, I think definitely we'll keep an eye on it and maybe come back to you later in the year to get an update on yours and and the others in the pilot program because it's definitely super interesting. But look, let's take a break here and when we come back our short sharp news bite stay with us and our last story before we get into our short sharp news bites that we're just popping in here is a dashboard called the crypto tracker which craig's getting very excited about and this was actually produced by mark so tell us all about it mark yeah, sure. Um, so Crypto Tracker, the name comes from the fact that I was doing a lot of stuff with ETFs. So I've got this app called ETF Tracker. And if people know me from my TradFi days, they probably use the app because it looks at Aussie ETFs. Anyway, um, Crypto Tracker uh, was the brains behind it was actually one of my colleagues, Nick. Uh, and he was saying that he was building these things in Excel where it's like looking at how correlated crypto is with equities and with ETFs and with other Ah. traditional kind of securities just to see, you know, is it getting more correlated or not? You hear some stories and you you read some reports and it's like, well, look, we've got the skill set. We can download the data. We can can scrape it and connect to it. Why don't we build something that updates? It was initially every week and then we brought in an analyst who's working with us. His name's Callum. Shout out to Callum. And he's helped us uh, make it a daily thing. And we've got Aussie equities. We've got US equities and really interesting things coming out of it. Like you can see um, some dashboards which are just set, but then you can actually pick different equities yourself and you can see how the correlations actually gotten stronger or weaker over time. And overall, um, crypto used to be not very correlated with uh, TradFi, like equities and ETFs, but it's gotten stronger. And people go, oh, well, you know, crypto wasn't supposed to be correlated. Well, it's being, it's becoming more mature. So we expect this to happen because people are just seeing it as like normal, um, you know, early stage tech stocks. But some highlights there that we saw was that, you know, how Charlie uh, Munger and Warren Buffett, Mm. Berkshire Hathaway, they kind of hate crypto. Well, that's unfortunate because crypto, Ethereum and Bitcoin are trading in line around, uh, I think the correlation is like 80% um, with uh, Berkshire Hathaway stock. So even (laughs) though you might hate it, it's trading just like, you know, Berkshire Hathaway. But don't we want it to be more uncorrelated? No, initially we did because uh, it was supposed to be this uh, hedge against what's going on in technology. But as the technology has matured, as what crypto can do has matured, it's being seen more as this this kind of uh, the next wave. Like if we had fintech, well, the evolution will be whatever Web3 and DeFi come out with. So I see it as actually a, a positive there. And, you know, for example, I think who was it? Jack Dorsey. He's got his company Block. Well, if we look at um, how Block is traded, because it's an ASX listed company now, if we look at how that's traded in 2022, it's 95% correlated with Ethereum 
Ethereum USD price. You know, this is a real thing. It just means that the volatility's come out of it also. Oh, yeah, that too. Exactly. Mm. But people can explore with Crypto Tracker by basically um, going to the show notes and seeing the links there and stuff, or even going to notcentralized.com and you can see um, we've got an analytics page. But the point is that it's free, it's open to the public, and you can try out. We've got a whole bunch of ASX, not all, um, but we've got a whole bunch of ASX and uh, US uh, equities and ETFs. And people can play around with the dashboards. They're really easy and simple to use. Super handy. We'll definitely check that out. Awesome. Well done on that one, Mark. Let's now move into our short, sharp news bites. I'm going to go first. This one is all over the news this week. I'm not going to go too deep into it because I don't understand it, but we are going to come back to it on the show next week. I'm giving it to Craig as homework. And Blake, Ethereum has introduced the ERC-4337 account abstraction standard, which is one of the missing puzzle pieces which may be responsible for bringing mainstream adoption, apparently. So I looked into this and read through it, and there's a lot of things that it will apparently do, and I, I didn't understand a lot of it. And it seemed to be doing a lot of things, some of that made sense to me, but a lot of it didn't. So I'm going to put a pin in it because I can see where this is going to be important. Wasn't the main thing about it that you could retrieve lost private keys? Wasn't that the thing that everyone was excited about? this did seem – yeah, but there seemed to be four or five other amazing points that everyone kept coming back to that was like, this is going to be so good, but it still seemed to me that it wasn't the bridge that was going to bring the masses in. So if someone wants to give me – 60 seconds of why this is um, is really important, but I still feel it needs a bit more explaining. Mark, give us a give us your yeah. two cents. <laughs> I think it is important, um, but any technology that is hyped up will, uh, like even like ChatGPT, you, know, you need to deliver on it. And whilst they announce this, we're going to see it in actual execution. So there's two-factor authentication is a big thing there. You can have multi-sig wallets. There's more programmability with a wallet. That's the real key thing for me. You can have, you, you know, the, the gas fees. You can, if you've got a business account and you're doing business with a a wallet, you don't have to have your wallet as the employee paying the gas fees. You can actually set the gas fees to be paid by someone else. More programmability just means more options and that's what we love about crypto. More to come on that one, folks. What's up next, Craig? So we've chatted about this in the last few weeks. Mt. Gox, so if you listen and you were caught up in the Mt. Gox hack in 2010, you might be getting your first Bitcoin payment as soon as March 10th. So these payments will be made in Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash and Fiat. And they expect to receive around 21% of the civil rehabilitation claim value. So if you're aware of the prices back then, pretty decent payback, hopefully. Glad they're getting something back finally. Mark, what's up next? Visa's crypto strategy remains intact despite a crypto winter. We see that they're committed to investing in the crypto sector despite recent failures in the industry. The company said uh, earlier this week, recent reports were that Visa is slamming the brakes in light of the FTX collapse and industry volatility. But a Visa spokesperson told Coindesk that simply isn't uh, the case. They said that the recent failures do not change our crypto strategy and focus to serve as a bridge, helping connect both platforms and technologies emerging in the crypto ecosystem, the spokesperson said. This is where uh, we have been investing and plan to continue to invest. So that's really interesting. Um, They also had a tweet on Tuesday. Visa's head of crypto, Kai Sheffield, uh, said reports of Visa wanting to slow down partnerships with the crypto space are inaccurate. And he reiterated that Visa continues to partner with crypto companies. And as we said before, they're on the RBA CBDC pilot as one of the projects there. So interesting. Visa primed. 
Jack Dorsey has launched C Equals, which is a whole new business entity focusing on the Lightning Network, which is Bitcoin's layer two scaling system. So the Bitcoin Lightning transactions are actually at an all-time high, but the network is experiencing growing pains. Many transactions are failing due to poor liquidity and inefficient payment routing. So Jack Dorsey has sort of said in the past that he's committed to working on Bitcoin and Bitcoin only, probably the most well-known Bitcoin maxi there is, and he's committed to building the infrastructure to bolster the network reliability. There you go. So this is that one you were mentioning earlier, Block. Yeah. Um, when I was flicking through the names in terms of the crypto tracker and seeing, you know, what ETH or Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like really correlated with because you can pick crypto on one side and traditional stocks on the other. I was looking through ASX technology stocks and Block is listed here on the ASX and it's um, they're just trading in line with each other. It's like 95% correlation. It's the strongest I've seen across anything. Good old Jack Dorsey, hey? <laughs> he looks like a homeless man, but he knows what he's doing. All right, what up next? According to Electric Capital, the US and Europe are losing share in the global Web3 developer market, losing 2% and 1% share retrospectively each year. Conversely, India, Africa and Latin America are taking share, accounting for 18% globally for Web3 developers. There you go. Well, you know, no surprise there because why would you bother doing anything when it comes to crypto in America right now? They're not exactly crypto friendly uh, for the crypto natives, so no surprises. But that uh, rounds it out for our short, sharp news bites and uh, the news this week in crypto. It has been a blast having Mark on the program. Anything you want to share with our listeners as we round out the show, Mark? But we definitely have to have you back. Some alpha. Some alpha. Some alpha, yeah. Any any alpha that you want to share? I mean, we definitely have to get you back as the pilot program goes on. But, um, oh, absolutely. Any sneaky, any sneaky coins that you're looking at at the moment? Not financial <laughs> advice, obviously. Not financial advice, but I reckon people should check out something called Crypto Lulu, which is an NFT project based here in Sydney. And I say based here because it's tied to a physical space. It's a bar slash restaurant membership oh. in the rocks. Oh yes, I've seen you. I've seen you pop this one. Yes, definitely. Alistair, I think he used to work for Bamboo. He's um our was our in-house social media expert. Correct. He's been doing a lot of work for them. So shout outs to Alistair. Yep. The King. Um, they're at Circular Key, right? They're right. They're in Circular Key. Squires Landing is right across the road. So Amazing. you can start at one and end up at the other. It's a great spot. Oh. But it's real world. This is what we're seeing this year. We're seeing a lot more of these real world uses of blockchain and NFTs as digital memberships. And we're going to see a whole lot more. So that's the exciting alpha. Just keep an eye out for, for that kind of stuff. Wow. That was the greatest shout out ever. Well done. That's why we love Mark, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back anytime. Thank you. All right. That's it. We're signing off. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the show everybody as always if you want to reach out you can get us on podcast at getbamboo.io please join us in the facebook group hello to everybody in our group thanks for being with us and find us on social media thanks for being with us everybody see you next week bye see you guys Cheers. bye for now crypto curious is a product of equity mates media all information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only EquityMates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. EquityMates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. 
Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.